episode number 18. I think I've got that right this week. Uh, Behind the Sport. How are you doing today? Yeah, man. Ripper. Looking forward to getting uh, into the next race meeting. Um, just, yeah, pumped. World sort of getting a little bit negative again, I suppose. Like Victoria and everything happening over East. But we're full steam ahead here. Um, yep. Yeah, everyone's getting really busy. You know, Speedway getting back into it. Um, a lot of country rounds coming up. A lot of country rounds happening. Um, drag racing guys are all full full flat out to get going. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, you know, don't want to rub it in the guys over East, but we're definitely cranking along. Yeah. Just want the whole economy to get cranking again. That's that's the big thing, you know, uh, with motorsport. Absolutely. Um, so we've got a bit of a slightly different format today. Um, we have, um, we actually have two people joining us for a chat today. Um, we have a mechanic and a driver. Um, to put it simply, we've got um, Stuart uh, Spencer Horn, uh, who's a race mechanic. And uh, I hope I'm saying these names right. Um, Joe Burgick, who's uh, doing driver development uh, in the F1000 and Radical series uh, at Arise Racing. And they're joining us to have a bit of a chat about the F1000s and Radicals. And we're also going to be giving away for our West Australian people a uh, entry into Arise Racing Simulator Comp that they got running this month. So uh, that's going to be pretty cool. Um, I know Jimmy Bro Russo is uh, chomping at the bit to enter that. So he could uh, he could be a pretty big contender on that. We'll see what happens. But um, yeah, we'll get the guys on and have a bit of a chat in episode 18. Thanks for joining us. How are you guys going today? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Uh, another nice day in Perth. Yep. Uh, how are you doing yeah. over there, Joe? Yeah, great. So great to be here, Shane. Thanks, mate. No worries. So we did a bit of intro for you guys. Um, Stuart, you're a race mechanic up at Arise Racing. Um, been doing that for a little while. And um, Joe is brand spanking new to racing. Uh, and you're doing a program uh, with the F1000s. Uh, but you're also a bit of a thrill seeker, skydiver, dirt biker, and now in race cars. So... Definitely got the adrenaline junkie going over there, Joe. Look, it's, uh, I don't know whether it's an adrenaline addiction, but uh, certainly like to put myself in uncomfortable situations and, uh, and uh, you know, with the support, take on a good challenge. Fantastic. So we'll jump across to you, um, Stuart. Do you want Stuart or do you want Stu? Which one's, which one's good for you? I'm easy with either. I go by Stuart or Stu. So okay. All cool. good. Whatever. <laughs> This might get a bit lazy, that's all. I just don't want to... Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, look, you're a race mechanic up at Arise Racing. You've been there for three years. Um, what got you into motorsport? Um, well, my family's sort of always been fans of motorsport. Uh, my granddad, my dad, my mum. So, sort of from a young age, always watching the F1 and stuff like that on TV. Uh, but I think when I really got into it was... Uh, I went to my first Grand Prix in Australia in 2009 and uh, that was 
it's just such a great experience. And as a young kid, I was like, yeah, this is sort of what I want to do. Um, we went back a few years later with my younger brother and he sort of thought the same thing. We got into go-karting and sort of went from there. Yeah. So, so um, you competed competitively in motorsport then in your karting? Yeah. So we sort of did the sprint karting around WA, uh, me and my brother. Uh, brother won a state championship in 2017. Um, and yeah, we, I've done a bit of work, driver coaching and mechanicing for people in go-karting as well. Um, so that was sort of what I was doing uh, while I was in school. And when I finished, just before I finished school, uh, the opportunity came up at Arise Racing to apply for a job there. And luckily enough, I got it and yeah, started, started working up there. So pretty much we always ask, um, I guess, like their first uh, competitive involvement in motorsport. Um, do you have a funny story from, from your first ever race or, you know, as a mechanic or, um, you know, in your karting days or have you sort of just yeah, flown under the radar a bit? Yeah, it wasn't actually my first ever race. I've done a couple of races already, but um, my brother's first race, so we've been doing a lot of practicing and stuff like that as you do when you get into it. And um, his first race, he kept going out and for some reason the, the car just kept stopping just at random points during the race. And, and we'd come back to the pits and fired up all good. It was like, you know, couldn't find the problem. So we sort of were looking all around the go-kart to try and find this problem. And it wasn't until we sat him in the go-kart before the last race, we realized his suit was actually getting sucked into the airbox because he was so small. He had this big baggy suit. Um, it was actually getting sucked in the airbox when he was going down the straight and causing the engine to obviously flood and cut out. So oh, wow. it was a bit of a head scratcher for like most of the day, but we got it right for the last one. But you know, when you're green, that's just sort of things that happen, I guess. I love that. <laughs> I love that story. That has should got safety. That has got safety Mike. <laughs> oh, that's got safety Mike and P1 written all over it. <laughs> uh, so. You've moved, you started working for Rise Racing. Um, what were your initial sort of job there? Um, so I was initially hired as sort of like a workshop junior. So sort of as an apprentice, you know, helping, helping out, just doing a little bit here and there. Uh, you know, a lot of sweeping floors and whatnot. But I was sort of lucky enough to um, learn from a lot of the guys there and work my way up to sort of a race mechanic role quite quickly. Um, I also was sort of told the team that I was looking at studying motorsports engineering at ECU. So I'd always, that was always been my sort of goal uh, throughout my high school. I was aiming to do that. So they sort of realized I was quite serious that, you know, this is something that I really wanted to pursue as a career. Um, luckily, yeah, got given the opportunity to work with some great people and taught me a lot. Um, and yeah, sort of six months to a year in, I started working a little bit on the cars and things like that and just progressed from there gradually. And yeah, now I'm just full-time mechanic. And ECU, uh, now I saw some of their work at uh, the Shannon's Classic car show this year. And, you know, they build some pretty cool little race cars. Were you involved? Have you been involved in any of those challenges yet? Uh, not quite yet. Um, obviously, I'm studying part-time and working part-time to full-time uh, and then trying to find time for go-karting in, well, in between that. So the the team stuff with the cars there is extracurricular. So I haven't had much time to get involved in it yet, but I'm hoping 
in the next couple of years doing my uh, final projects and stuff, I'll get involved with the team and hopefully do a bit of work with them because yeah, a lot of the works uh, that they do is really cool. Yeah, so I believe they enter a, there's an Australian University challenge that they enter the cars in. Yeah, so there's um, Formula Student uh, and basically they build a car, a new car each year and it's an international competition. So they enter the Australian competition and if they do well there, they can be invited to the international competition normally held in the UK. So they've done that a few times and they've had, you know, quite good success. So yeah, hopefully we'll continue this on. Obviously at the moment, competitions and stuff uh, aren't possible, but hopefully in the near future, we'll be uh, back to it. They do pretty well. They've got the um, um, Bison's a, a good friend of mine. He works on that ECU program as well. So the, the hydraulic suspension setup and those little formula cars they do, they're pretty, it's different. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, technology for such yeah. a such a small car. Yeah, absolutely. So jumping back to your work with Arise, um, we've got a little bit of a list of some names that you've managed to work with. So uh, Aaron Love, Jordan Love, uh, Mitch Johnson, and uh, I believe Adam Lyle's your main focus there. Um, you've also uh, worked on a car with Nick Perkat. So how'd you find working with Nick? Um, yeah, I mean, it's been great experience to work with so many talented drivers, obviously getting someone as professional as Nick who's you know, been obviously racing in the main game of supercars, having him come to the team and work with him has been a really great experience. Just sort of his feedback and things like that's really helped us to sort of realize what sort of direction we need to be going in as a team competing at, you know, higher levels and things like that. So it's been a good experience. Um, even, you know, Aaron Love, obviously, racing in Carrera Cup, things like that. He's, you know, always coming back uh, for some runs in the Radicals. And so even having him there to sort of, yeah, have a bit of feedback on how they do things there to implement things like that into our team has been, been good. Now, were you, um, now, last year there was the uh, Rise Driver Search program going on. Um, how did, did you have much involvement with that one? Um, I had a bit of involvement. Uh, I wasn't, uh, I'm more sort of on the F1000 side of things. We have, obviously we have the F1000s and the Radicals. Um, but recently, obviously we're expanding as a, into a dealership, things like that. I've been a bit more onto the Radical side. Um, so I wasn't super involved in the driver search, but I was there, uh, you know, uh, spannering cars and, Obviously, you know, keeping an eye on things, but yeah, it was a it was a good uh good competition, and hopefully we'll do it again at some point. There's a lot of uh, very very young, very talented drivers came through that, and of course, the eventual uh, winner was uh, Max McRae, um, which was pretty cool. Bit of a uh, lot of long motorsport lineage there in his family, but. Um, yeah, look, have you managed to get out in the F1000s and drive much? Uh, I haven't driven an F1000. I was lucky enough to do uh, a run in a Radical uh, a couple of years ago, sort of when I first started there as a gift from, you know, present from the team. And yeah, it's just awesome to sort of get behind the wheel of one of them and feel, you know, experience what the drivers are experiencing. It's definitely, definitely opens your eyes to, you know, what, what you're working with and what you're working on. Right, we're going to jump across to Joe for a little bit. 
Um, so we'll have a bit of a chat with him now. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll come back to you. I'm sure Brent's got some very uh, technical questions about the cars to ask him in a little while. Um, so yeah, we'll find out a bit more then. Um, Joe, brand new to racing. Yeah, look, brand new to racing. Uh, it's it's been a, a very steep learning curve from January 2020 uh, to to now. Obviously, with COVID sort of smacked bang in the middle there. But um, I was as a kid, I rode dirt bikes. Uh, my brother encouraged me to to be on the dirt bike as much as as much as I could. He was racing the Australian Road Racing Championships on. 250 production back on the old two-stroke uh, 250cc bikes and then uh, through to 250 Grand Prix bikes. So he was always this sort of driving force about being on the bike and, you know, making sure, you know, that I was thinking about race craft at a young age, but it didn't really stick, you know, something that I did for a few years. Uh, and then he had a pretty significant injury whilst uh, mountain bike riding. And uh, that was a, an end to his career. So from there, he whisked me away and we, we started skydiving for a few years. So from the age of around 16 to, you know, mid-20s, skydiving was, was my thing. And, uh, and it, was, it was an interesting period being a, a young person in that sort of uh, industry. But it's a, you know, skydiving is a beautiful sport and, you know, it takes you to some pretty great places. Uh, but getting behind the wheel now back, you know, I'm almost pushing 40 now. And I've retired from skydiving and I'm sort of looking for that, that challenge. So I did the, uh, the telethon, Arise Telethon Challenge uh, last year. And, you know, the guys build you up. And I was expecting to get in the radical and be, you know, I'll oh, be careful, mate, or, you know, back off here. But I had Jordan and, uh, next to me just going, go, 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 get on the gas. And, like, don't break yet. And I was, I, I was just, I was amazed that they were actually pushing us to go harder. And it just... It just was like, okay, I need to do this. So January of 2020, uh, jumped back in the radical and had some help with um, from BD and from Jordan uh, and obviously the full team there at Arise. And I think that's, you know, that's the thing. It's a, it's a big team. Without those guys, there's no way I could be on the track and even considering racing. So we did about, I think I must have done about 120 laps of practice and the guys were all very supportive and said, come on, Joe, you, you can do this. Let's do the first round. And, and I was absolutely shitting bricks. Uh, <laughs> I was just hopeful to just hang off the back. And I'm not sure if you remember that first round uh, for the Radicals and the F1000s of Barbagello this year. But there was some carnage and, you know, there was, yep. there was heaps going on. So I was, I was happy to just miss all the carnage and finish each race. Uh, so it was really cool. It's, it's been a great progression. And then to work up to the F1000 now with the guys' support, it's been a massive, again, another steep learning curve for me. The car is just so different uh, from, from anything that I'm used to. You know, it breaks and it corners really well. Uh, so, you know, my BT50 doesn't quite do that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, look, the, um, what's the sort of difference with the with an adrenaline rush of, you know, like, I'd, I've, I've never got skydiving. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to say the cliche line, I don't get why you jump out of a perfectly good plane. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what's, uh, do you get the same rush as jumping out of a plane or is it a completely different rush? I'm, I'm kind of feeling like it's a new racer 
to an experienced racer where I'm in that sort of that new racer, uh, of, you know, heights of emotion, lots of anxiety and, and nervousness before the race and making sure everything's right. And then, you know, feeling really accomplished at the end of it. And it's really just, you know, it's a, it's a very achievable challenge and skydiving is very similar where, you know, you, you go out there and, uh, you know, initially it's, it's a, it's a very, very exciting experience just to do the skydive. And then it turns into this sort of technical, beautiful sport that you get to play with. You know, it's, it's very similar to the aero uh, on a car. So we're doing, you know, 200 to say 350 kilometers an hour. And we just use our bodies to be like the aero that we would use, you know, when we're racing. So you can move around and fly around. It's, it's a very, uh, it's a very unique and uh, picturesque sport to be a part of. What's one of the craziest things you've done while skydiving? <laughs> one of the craziest things I've done. I don't think much of it is crazy, to be honest. It wasn't. It was all pretty. You know, this is a CASA certified sport, so it's nothing too crazy. But some of the beautiful things are, you know, uh, jumping uh, long in the day when the sun's going down and seeing the shadows or landing on a beach somewhere. Actually, one day we did a, uh, a display into a jet sprit boat race in Albuadonga. <clears throat> we rocked up on the, the track at, you know, 10 o'clock or on the circuit, I should say. And we had a look around and we're like, yeah, yeah, we can probably land on one of these islands, that's fine. And it was all dry and the guys hadn't been out cutting laps yet. And then, you know, it comes to sunset and they've asked us to land in this, in this little arena. And as we're coming in on final approach, we're coming in really, really hot. And I've seen that everything's just mud and everything's covered in mud. And I had, a, I had a quite a small canopy at the time and I was coming through. And I swooped, touched down onto the uh, onto the, the little island, which was just covered in mud. And one of my my friends, who was uh, one of our ground support guys, reached out, grabbed part of my parachute, and stopped me from <laughs> hurtling through the muddy water, which was you know quite thankful. I would have made a little fool of myself, but it was uh, exhilarating at the time. Jesus, get up! You can, you can <laughs> keep that sport for yourself. <laughs> yeah. With the um, so you started out in the radical. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, yeah, you've got someone by your side. When you first went out by yourself, how did you feel doing that? Yeah, it's it's something I didn't didn't really forward think. You know, I, I was I was I was comfortable with the guys next to me and pushing me. And then you know, Jordan said, "Oh, look, today I think you're gonna gonna run out on your own." And then all of a sudden, I thought, "Hang a minute, on my own, I'm in control of this car here. We're doing." 200 odd kilometers down into turn seven there at Barbagello. And I, <clears throat> I was a little bit perplexed and just making sure that I was, you know, comfortable. But then as soon as you roll out, roll out onto the track, it's, it's so much more comfortable not having the coach there. They're, they're great in those initial stages and I can always put them back in there next with me, uh, next to me with me. But uh, having the car just that little bit lighter, uh, being able to break a little bit later. It, it's, I didn't think it was going to make such a difference, but it really did. Okay. The stepping then across to the F1000s, and what's the, what's the difference in handling like between the two? Look, the, the first thing to think about is that the seat is custom to yourself. Like with the, with the rads, it was padded out and I was pretty much, you know, strapped in. Um, and I know you can do custom seats, but that wasn't where, where we went to. But with the F1000, having that custom seat, all of a sudden it just feels super comfortable and it feels like I'm a part of the car. 
So it was just the, the response back from the car was, was instant and just felt more comfortable. That laid back position to me just felt, it felt amazing. Getting out on the track, it, it was just, I hate to say it again, but it's an amazing experience to just be uh, in such a car. It just feels so right. I, Stu can probably talk to the technical part of it, but for me, it's just, it feels like it's purposeful. It wants to do it, and I've just got to allow the car to do it, basically. I know um, with the with F1s and, um, you know, a lot of drivers say with, you know, to talk about F1s, is that the the car basically, you know, you've, you've got to just let it do its thing. You know, don't try and fight. Don't go slow during corners. Um, otherwise, you're going to end up in a bad spot. Do you find this sort of similar thing with the F1000s? Like you need to push it harder to stay on track or do you think, you know, like, yeah, you can back off and... The, one of the biggest things that I'm, I'm rapidly learning is that I need to push the car harder initially to build up the tyre temperature to get into that grip range. Because as I'm, I'm feeling the car go and let go on me on, on certain corners or under brakes, I get... You know, I start to lose confidence in the car and then I drive slower. And then I come back in and the guys say, you know, you've got to push it harder, otherwise you're not going to build up the temperatures. You know, today we went out uh, for a, a few laps of practice and, you know, it was slightly wet track and I was a bit apprehensive going around some of the corners and, you know, just just slightly wet. Um, and, you know, I was, I was, I was to the next session, I, was, I dropped 10 seconds just from the guy saying, Joe, you're going to have to push harder to build that tire temperature up. And as soon as you do push that little bit harder, you get all this confidence, the aero comes on and then the tire temp comes on and then you're able to go harder again. It's, it's, an amazing, uh, it's an amazing car in that sense that the harder you go, it wants to be there, don't limit the car. Warner Raceway, the S's. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The, you come out of turn, turn one, and you're facing up through those S's. Yeah. And then you, you know, you're obviously then going to hit that, that weird turn four. Um, how, do, how do you approach that, that sequence of corners? Look, coming out of, uh, coming out of turn one, I'm, I'm thinking about you know, uh, loading up the car and, and actually trying to get a little bit of understeer to try and get a bit of heat in the tyres um, so that they scrub just a little bit. Um, so understeer or oversteer? I'm still new to this. Uh, sorry, Shane. <laughs> so look, coming out and through the S's there, it's it's a fun part of the track to just be able to you know that slight hook to the left, come up over the crest. It's it's just smile-inducing driving. It's like holy hell, where am I going? And then sending it over into turn uh, into turn four. Uh, you know, I know it's meant to be a, a little lift and a and a touch of the brake, but it's probably more of a massive lift and a, and a brake for me at this stage. And then just just finding that apex on turn four, and then just giving it to it as you come out of turn four into turn five. It's just this great experience where the visuals are. You know, all you can see is the track. You know, obviously we come up over the rise there, uh, and it's just yeah, it's an exhilarating part of the track. I really love that that section. Now, Rise has a pretty pretty sweet simulator set up there, from uh, which is a, a, one of our mate John Lee's uh, racecraft rigs. Have you had a go on that rig at all? Yeah, that's that has been instrumental to me being able to race so soon in in my driving career. Just 
getting out there and uh, spending some time with the coaches and just cutting some laps because, you know, they can set it up with the Radical, they can set it up with the F1000, they can set up track conditions. And it's just, it, it feels real, you know, to, to be able to visualise the track and not be out there, you know, burning tyres and, and cutting costs. Uh, so with all that cost, just to be able to get in there and spend a couple of hours uh, in the sim and then get out onto the track and just put it to, uh, put it to action has been instrumental. You find yourself being a bit more um, confident in the, in the simulator because you're not you're not going to wreck or, oh, or do they actually give you a bill if you do wreck it <laughs> realistic yeah absolutely the sim's a little bit more affordable to stack <laughs> but no look i don't um i haven't really you know the, the times where i have spun off um have probably been quite beneficial to my my progression as well you know just learning how to actually handle the vehicle when you do lose control um, you know what to do. Uh, the guys at Arise have been, you know, have been so supportive. It's they really have have built me up. You know, at the start of the year, I thought, yeah, look, I'll just get out there and do a couple of track days and and see where this goes, have a bit of fun with it. And I wouldn't have thought that I would have done a a, a race in the Radical uh, in February. And then with their encouragement and support to be able to, you know, have raced in the F1000 uh, already and working towards the next race in a couple of weeks. You know, it just just highlights what it is they actually do out there. Taking someone with no experience uh, and just a desire to be out there and doing it, and uh, they can take you all the way through. Like removing things like you know the complexity of whether it's uh, having to store the vehicle at your own home or or whether it's you know turning a spanner on the day where you're trying to concentrate about racing. All those little things just take away from the driving experience. Uh, well, for me, anyhow, like it's. It would be it would just be too much to take on. So having that all taken care of means that I can just go out there, jump in the sim, get in the car, and off we go. And they have a pretty sweet driver's room as well, I must say. I've been oh, there cool. a couple of times, but uh, still no invites to sit down. I just sort of stick my head in and every now and then. But, uh, <laughs> Come in next time. You're more than welcome, I'm sure. <laughs> um, going to jump over to Brent now. Um, and uh, Brent, I'm sure, has some questions for back with Stuart. Um, and then uh, we'll come back to you a, a bit later on, Joe, for a few more questions. All right. No, it's, it's uh, wicked to meet you guys and uh, really good to uh, get to ask you a few questions. Well, Shane's asked a couple um, already that I had written down because I, I haven't had the chance to, to get into a F1000 or a, a Radical yet, but... Uh, the Radicals are probably one of my more favourite packaged race cars getting around at the moment. They, uh, I've seen them over at Sydney a couple of times a few years back, and uh, yeah, I just think they're great. Um, so my spies tell me, Stu, that uh, you're an ex-carter from a, a really nice Scottish family, and your dad is an absolute legend. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm not lucky enough to have met him yet, but uh, um, what makes him so legendary? Uh, he's just a big cuddly teddy bear, you know, he's just a big dude, you know, you sort of look at him, a lot of people look at him and think, oh, he's a big dude, a bit scary, and then he opens his mouth and cracks a joke, and yeah, he just gets along with everyone, always there to help people out. Yeah, and um, massive motorsport family, you said, um, you know, uh, being from that side of the world, obviously big fans of the F1 and follow it pretty religiously, like we have people do with footy, which is always good to see. Did you watch the race on the weekend? Yeah, I did actually. I'm uh, 
I was uh, watching it on the couch with Dad. I fell asleep about halfway through, and Dad yeah. woke me up. Luckily, with ten laps to go, and yeah, saw the drama unfold. Yeah, the last ten were actually pretty good, and and that's pretty typical of um, Silverstone as well. It can be a pretty, um, you know, tactical race, and then always unfolds pretty far then, which is cool. Um, I also got told that you've been working with um, uh, Greg and the uh, flat out guys, the carts, and you've taken your little brother along um, for the last round. How did, how did he find that? And how did you find working with your brother? Uh, yeah, it was an interesting experience. Sort of, you know, always when we were younger, always spannering for him and working on his go-kart, helping him out. It was, it was kind of weird to go to a track with him and we're both working on go-karts, you know. So he did really well though. I was pretty impressed. I was, I was a bit appreh- apprehensive at first because I was like, "Oh, he doesn't. He's not done a lot of this sort of stuff before." Um, but now, obviously, after seeing him in action, I was I was quite impressed. I think a lot of people were quite impressed with how he went. But you know, the team at Flat Out—they're really great. They're always there to help. Greg, Charlene, and Sam. Uh, we obviously raced with them when we were racing. Um, and yeah, it's great to be able to work with them. Got a really professional setup going now, and yeah, hopefully keep working with them in the future. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and no, Greg is um, yeah, just a hell of a nice bloke. Just a really good dude, and um, it's it's awesome to see another um, you know, another group in WA that's going that extra step and and you know, taking the whole package approach to to motorsport, which you really we do really need. Um. One of the things you mentioned before to to Shane is that uh, you really you've really enjoyed working with some of the um, stars, I suppose, of, of uh, Australian motorsport and working on the feedback they give you to help introduce into the program that you're running because you're one of the key guys up there for development. Um, what what do you do with the new drivers, for instance, or even existing drivers? How how do you set up with them? to get the most out of them feedback wise for you to then translate and put into the car. So do you have any hints or tips or, you know, like some people that are done a few track days in a road car and then they're coming across into a race car where there is, isn't the constraints you have in a road car and they, and they can't translate what the feeling or what the car is doing. You know, have you got any hints or tips or a way to explain how you can get a driver to to give better feedback to improve their driving and car, you know? Yeah, it's um, it's definitely it's great to work with a range of drivers. Um, a lot of it we sort of work quite closely with the driver coaches. They go through all of the data stuff, and you know they've they've been there, they've done it. You know, Jordan, BD, everyone else. You know, they've been there, driven those cars a lot, so they know what what the drivers should expect. Obviously, like getting a novice driver in who's you know done that much, they're not going to go straight away and you know start breaking lap records. So you're pushing the car in a totally different way. So you do sort of alter the setup for them to make the car a little bit easier to drive, a little bit less twitchy, get the tires switched on a little bit earlier. Um, so that's one thing that we're sort of working on at the moment is trying to find, you know, setups that suit these, those kind of drivers. And then also developing setup for, you know, guys like Aaron Love, Nick Percat, who are coming in and, you know, really pushing the cars to, the, to their limits. Um, yeah, in terms of feedback, I think uh, the biggest thing is when you have someone who's going out there in a high downforce, slick tire car, when they're not pushing the car, it does feel really edgy and quite sketchy because you don't have the tire temp, the downforce isn't working that hard. 
So a lot of it is in actually the driving of just getting the drivers to push a little bit harder. And, you know, once they get the tire temp and the downforce, the confidence sort of grows from there. Um, we can only really do so much with the, with the setup and things like that to, to help them. Uh, and then once they, once they sort of start pushing and start finding those boundaries, they've got a bit more experience and they can sort of feel what, you know, what they think is happening with the car and things like that. We're also having the onboard footage uh, and the data acquisition that we've got, we can really pinpoint sort of any issues that we do have with the cars and, you know, try and try and tune them out. Yeah, wicked. So, and that's what I was hoping you'd lead into because uh, I haven't got a lot of experience with aero based cars I'm a little bit of aero on the sports sedan, but nothing like these things, you know? Um, so once, so, you know, you're saying they've got to get them to push to get the tires up and then to get the aero to work. So you get that corner speed into it in a car, like a, a radical uh, or an F1000, do you still feel it, you know, when you get it sort of right and it's all gelling, do you still feel it walk on the tires sort of thing? Or is it just past that and it's just really fast? Uh, I think definitely it's, you know, you, once you really are pushing to the limit is still tire limited, you know, um, yeah. obviously a tire can only do so much. The aero is going to help and, you know, load the tire up a bit more, get more heat into the tire, work the tire harder. But at the end of the day, yeah, you still are tire limited through most of the corners. Yeah. Um, yeah, the the arrow is always the faster you go. The arrow is always going to help you more. So it's definitely tire limited. Yeah, wicked. Um, and so I, I don't know the um, the intricacy differences between the F one thousand and the Radical. Are they two completely different chassis, or is it an F one thousand with a a body on it, basically? Um, yeah, so they're two completely different okay. vehicles. Um, they're both still uh, chromoly. Uh, still space frame chassis uh, with a fiberglass body but yeah can, uh, obviously radical coming out of the uk um they're product produced in the uk for customer racing uh whereas the f1000s uh the ones we have are uh, built in america by store and we sort of oh, buy yeah. them as a kit and build them up ourselves a lot of uh pieces and parts that we develop actually in-house um to put on the cars uh, so the Radical uh, also has a slightly bigger engine. They have the 1500cc uh, motor, which is race tuned by them. Whereas the F1000, obviously, this is a thousand cc yep. engine, which is pretty much stock. Cool. Um, well, that's cool. That's something I didn't know. Um, Star is pretty, um, you know, world-renowned company themselves, and it's really cool uh, the stuff you guys develop in house. It's kind of cool. Uh, with the social media, you guys have been pushing it out a little bit more, what you guys do in-house, you know, like the um, bagging and, and carbon work and then having the mill running, just, you know, milling um, dog bones for brakes, et cetera. It's, it's cool to see that sort of stuff because a lot of people probably don't get that, you know, haven't been lucky enough to see the workshop up there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So keep definitely keep punching that out because I think, uh, yeah, people don't realise that we've got, you know, purpose-built motorsport guys in WA doing stuff like this. You know? Yeah, we're really lucky. You know, we've got some great experienced guys who've got a lot of experience internationally. Um, have worked at like the top level of motorsport, and they're sort of you know bringing their experience in, and sort of you know developing the team. I mean, I started back in 2016 with the team, and we've come a long way in terms of our equipment and just developing the cars. And yeah, it's been really great learning experience to learn off those guys. Yeah, abs absolutely. Um, 
with the arrow between the two, between the F1000 and, and the Radical, obviously the F1000 is a full wings and slicks package. It's, it's pretty cool. The Radical, has that got, like that looks like it's got a lot of arrow. Does it have, you know, is it full slick underneath all the rest of it? Yeah, yeah. So it's still a wings and slicks car, obviously just with a bit of a bigger body. Um, yeah, the arrow still does make a massive difference. Um, a lot of it's to do with the rake of the car, obviously positioning of the front splitter and things like that. Um, you yeah. also have a lot of uh, adjustment in the rear wing, uh, as well as also uh, front dive planes, which you can remove. Um, but yeah, there's it's still a very much a wings and slicks car. It is a bit heavier, so you sort of do get that sort of not really saloon car feeling. It still feels very much stuck to the road, but it just does yeah. move around a little bit more than the F1000s. Man, that's weird. How many interviews have you done? Because you like lead into every question I'm about to ask next really naturally. <laughs> this, it's hilarious. Yeah, this is the first time. So, oh, man. Yeah, a bit nervous, but uh, yeah. Oh, arising to put right. you in front of the camera for everyone that ever comes in the door of that joint. <laughs> the, um, so with the, with the SR3 radical, that's, that's what you guys run up there. Is it packets? The SR3? Yeah. Yeah. So, we've got the SR3 and the SR3 RSX is pretty much yep. the same car, just slightly different bodywork. The new tech, and it's got a few more gadgets on the, yeah. the new one. Yeah. yeah. The, um, so it's globally the, currently the best selling packaged race car out. Um, it's, you know, internationally very popular. Um, how would you describe running one of those or, or racing one of those to someone from say a saloon car or XL background, you know, as the next step up, you know, say they didn't want to go down the path of a, a tube, like a, you know, a uh, sports sedan or exterior car sort of, if you wanted to go and, and you weren't really into formula classic, um, the, the radicals are pretty, um, you know, they sort of tick a lot of boxes. So how would you explain that, that step up or the difference or, or you know, where you're going there? Um, yeah, there's a, there's a big difference. I mean, we obviously have like sort of the school cars, which are still running almost full race spec, but they have a lot different requirements because we're running them so often than one of our race cars, which is just racing. So for someone yeah. getting involved in, you know, if they just want to race and do a couple of test days every month, things like that, the running of the car, there is a, there is a lot to them, but, uh, there's a lot of support from radical in the UK, you know, um, they do a lot of lifing and things like that on their parts. So, you know, when things need to be changed, etc. Um, but yeah, there, there's a lot of intricacies when you really get down to it, but out of the box as a package, they really are, you know, sort of turnkey race car. So definitely easy. Uh, wouldn't say easy, but it's definitely possible for, you know, someone who's, you know, got, some people that are mechanically minded and things like that to, to run one of these cars. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're already experienced in, in how a track day goes and, and maintaining, maintaining a competitive state level car, it wouldn't be out of the reach to, to get into a radical or to step up to that next level of car. Yeah, it would definitely be, I think a learning experience. Obviously we've you know, got a lot of experience running these cars day in, day out. And we know, you know, all the little intricacies to them. Yep. But I mean, obviously Radical UK and Radical Australia, as well as us, you know, we've got a lot of experience and, you know, happy to help people out and grow the category in WA, that's for sure. Yeah. And that's awesome. And that's sort of where you guys are going with the whole dealer side of things, which is good to see. Now, the the the, the big fanboy Radical is the SR8. So that, you know, the little 
Um, I think it's sort of two and a bit litre V8. Um, is there any in WA getting around? Have you guys had a chance to have a play with any? Are they completely retarded to drive? Um, yeah, unfortunately, we haven't actually got one up at the workshop. Um, I think there's a couple over east, and I heard there was one at one point in WA. I'm not sure now. But, yeah, we haven't had a chance to get our hands on one yet and have a look at one. But, uh, you know, who knows in the future, you know. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see one. It just sounds like they seem like such a good package with the donkets and it sounds like putting that style of engine into one um, with that much just craziness. It just means to be absolute nuts to drive. But, yeah, that's no, cool. Oh, thank you very much. I've got a couple of questions for Joe. But one last one before you jump over to, before I jump over to Joe, which I'll ask him as well. So this will give him some prep. You've obviously done a lot of laps in a cart as well. Um, do you have any weird traditions or superstitions before a race? Do you have any weird quirks? Um, trying to think. I haven't raced in a while, so I'll have to think. Um, hmm. One thing, not just uh, with driving, but also with being a mechanic and things like that, just uh, always have a... I always make sure I sort of, like, start the cart or car or whatever I'm working on or whatever I'm driving, you know, first thing, as soon as I get to the track, cause I've been caught out, you know, in, in my early days coming to the track, you, you know, rock up to the grid, you think you're ready to go and thing won't start and you're in a mad rush. So yeah, that's yeah. my one superstition. I always just think, you know, everything can work fine and you rock up the next day and, you know, something can, you know, you know, you miss, you miss the day before it could be broken. Yeah, it's just always one thing that always plays on my mind before every race, just making sure the yeah. car fires up, everything's working all good. So you're that annoying guy when you turn up to the track half hung over at 6.30 a.m. and it's dead quiet and there's always someone rev-tuning your car. <laughs> yeah, probably, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's a good one to have, because especially two-day race meetings, you know, a lot of uh, vibration, a lot of stuff's run through the car, loose wires, whatever, just the most basic thing, and then it throws you into a tailspin because you're trying to yeah, fall flying five minutes through a race. I, I it's definitely the it. last last thing you want to do is be running around. And, you know, as a mechanic, if you've got, you know, a customer racing, the last thing you want to do is they can't get up to race because you've, you know, missed something or, you know, something's broken that you haven't seen, things like that. So just always one thing that just plays on my mind. No, 100%. So, you know, Brent, there's actually a lesson there from the rev tuning guys, don't you? <laughs> well, it's enlightened me. If it's got to do with SRs and rocket stoppers, I don't want to know. <laughs> maybe, well, maybe we could include that photo from the track the other week and, you know, the lesson being not to get like that. Oh, no, don't be, yeah, no, 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 that's, that's again, that's, that was off, yes. We won't go there. No, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad, but. Anyway, no, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that was just excited. The racing was good. Um, so yeah, Joe, wicked to uh, meet you as well. Um, awesome to to have you along. Um, my my spies out there have said that you are going stupidly well for someone who hasn't done the traditional amount of work in a cart before getting into one of these cars. Because that's traditionally the progression. You know, people that go down yeah. the open wheel road or, or want to get into that um, real competitive motorsport, that's typically where they've come from um, or they're a bit later in life and they go down the, the cars where they can make up for it with horsepower and big wheels, which is what I tend to do. Um, <laughs> so um, 
had you before you got into that i know you've had the you know motorbikes and and um skydiving and stuff like that had you driven many fast cars or done tuning days or anything like that no never never before as a as a young fella maybe at about age eight or nine i did two club days at albury go-kart track uh, in a very old kt100j and yes. it's just not something that the family was into at the time and the you know, logistics of having a cart and, and having mum trying to push it uh, and it wasn't a particularly reliable cart. Uh, so we didn't continue with the sport at that time. So in January, again, you know, to, to enhance the, the progression, uh, teamed up with the Flat Out guys, uh, with Greg yep. and Sam, and, and they've been super helpful you know, to be able to, you know, they know what to do. I just need to listen to them and, and make sure I try and do it. So yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Oh, wicked! So as a as a now an adult who's driving competitively in you know probably one of the, the better race categories out, you're also cart, started karting later with those yeah. guys as well to get more. Yeah, well, oh, that's yeah. It's helped you know with uh, the left foot braking because I, I had I managed to do you know maybe a day or two uh practice at uh, coburn and then at uh, wanneroo in the cart and obviously you pick up that left foot braking from karting quite quickly so yeah i was able to you know, the guys at arise of jordan and bds have said you know if you want to take it on now it, it might hinder your performance um a little bit but it's probably a better better technique to learn ongoing so it was something from karting that felt quite natural to go into left foot braking uh into the radical so yeah, yeah well, the karting has been a lot of fun. Yeah, so that's that's cool story, and that's probably something I should ask you. So with the with the um, radicals or everything from thousands, is the clutch just to get them going? Um, then after that, there's no clutch, and it's you can lift or break for everything, sort of thing. Is that yeah. So yeah, they're they're all sequential. Um, yep. so yeah, it's just clutch to get going, and then it's yeah, flat shifting up. Um, they've both got a pneumatic uh, gear shift system. Obviously, using yeah. like the motorbike gearbox. Yeah. Um, yeah, auto blip, auto cut. So, yeah, it's just like a normal road car paddle shift. Yeah. So, the GT drivers that come, like um, the loves with the Porsche experience, it's the same deal. Auto everything, paddles, yeah. get into it. Yeah. Oh, wicked. Oh, so that's cool. To, that's, that's really cool to know. And how have, so, Joe, how have you found karting um, as, a, as a senior without glory days of trying to remember that you when you were the best carter as a kid because obviously you didn't go through that you know you didn't do that transition yeah look firstly like it's all a very everyone's like a, it's a great group of people to get together with you know like they're all very like-minded it's all very friendly whether it's in practice or you know at the uh at the clubby or the gold star up in jero every everyone on the grid is you know, there's a bit of camaraderie there um i don't think in the in the tag restricted medium that you know we're not we're not no one's super young i think that's the, the light class so we're a little yeah. bit older a bit more respectful and out there just for a good time so it's yeah, it's been a lot of fun yeah that's awesome that's yeah that's that's a that's probably the, the take home for me out of this that you know if you want to get into it and you want to get coached up that's a good way to to go about it yeah and um, look, greg and the flat out guys they do a, a similar package to effectively what arise do where you know they'll help you set up a car take you to the track you know put out put out cones and say here's your braking here's your apex here's where you're going to get on the gas and you know it's again it's just that fully customed you know you can do a, a ride and drive um with those guys yeah. as well 
And I think it's a, you know, to have such a professional setup here in Carding in WA is, um, yeah, it's great. And, and for me, again, it's logistically, it's hard to keep a car at home, um, you know, just having my wife and myself, you know, trying to move it to the back shed. You know, I've only got a narrow corridor to be able to get, yeah. get out the back and to be able to have the, the car and, and the team rock up and, uh, and have that support of a, of a coach um, just to progress so quickly. And I've been really pleased with some of the results we managed to, um, to get. Yeah, that is um, that that is brilliant. And did it take much to get up the curve? With obviously, like you know, Sam's yeah, like an app weapon. Anyone that drives with those guys are typically very, very quick. So, was look, that intimidating like, uh, at first, or yeah? Look, it's absolutely intimidating. You know, I was surprised at just how little grip there was for you know the first two or three laps in a car. It was just like you know, turn the wheel and the thing just kept going straight. I think the first day I went out to Wanneroo, uh, I managed to send it into one of the uh, the corners and hit the barricade and uh, bent up the cart somewhat. But the guys just take it in their stride and fix it up and coach it through it. But it's not, you know, I don't think I'm a particularly uh, talented driver or, or good at learning. I just think it's, you know, they just break it down so simply. So it's like, you know, we're going to talk about one corner and we're going to go and do that. And then we're going to go to the next corner and we're going to go and do that. Or they might just give you an overtone of today, we're just going to think about this and out you go. And, and you know, little to my awareness, I think they're in the background calculating what they need to do with, with their drivers. But for me, I just rock up and, you know, we have a, a pretty casual conversation and go out there and see what we can do. Wicked. Um, so going back to the, the uh, Radicals F1000s, I really liked how you explained... Um, that that mental struggle of having to get into pushing the car harder earlier to get it to turn on, uh, to get the tyres to turn on, and then you can get the speed to get the aero to really work in your advantage. You know, and you, and you mentioned dropping there 10 seconds off a lap, which is, that's massive at Barb's. Um, so how, how have you mentally done that? Or have you had a little procedure in your head you're going through or... Um, it's still a work in progress. Yeah. yeah. I think motorsport, you know, taking it on at, at close to 40, but it, it's it's going to be one of those lifelong challenges. You know, I'm going to be perfecting this for the next 20 years. It's not something I'm going to master. But some of the techniques the guys have given me is, you know, I come back in uh, from, from my last drive and, and Jake, uh, one of the coaches and mechanics up there, you know, hands me a notepad and says, just write down some notes, you know, get yourself, try and remember where you are now. So that when we arrive at the track uh, again next week for the next practice, we want you to be at that position again straight away. And you know, little little things like that that just say, oh, okay, no worries. And you know, having to actually think about what it is I'm doing, take some notes, and try and get back there. It, it's so interesting that that feeling of the car's not right, the tires aren't right. It's really slippery out here. And if I just push harder, it's going to get better. It just it. To me, it, it's strange, but it, it works. You know, the, the first session uh, in practice this morning, you know, it was partially wet uh, and I was quite tentative because I didn't want to lose it. You know, I don't want to damage the vehicle or to damage the car. And they come in and they say, Joe, just go out there and push harder. And then you, you do that. You pick up all this extra grip. You pick up all this extra aero and uh, it becomes so much better to drive. And then, you know, then you can start chasing, your, you know, your half seconds or your you know, you're too tense here and there. But, you know, just having that confidence initially just to push the car, because that's what, that's what it's out there to do. It's, it's able to do it. And I've just got to remember, just let the car do it. It knows what it's doing. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty sweet. And that's probably something that I reckon is probably a bit different from, you know, say a heavier tin top car 
where once you've got it sitting on the tire, that's as that's all you're going to get out of it. You know, you've you've got to yeah. find, you've got to change something or change what you're doing, because um, pushing through it's just yeah, it's, it's different. And I, I can imagine this would be one of the challenges for the mechanics out there. You know, a guy like me um, or you know a new driver comes on board. And we're not able to provide any feedback. I, I come in and say, "Oh, it's squirmy," and they say, "Well, you, you know, the tires aren't on yet, or you're not, you know, you're not quite on the line right here." And you know, they're not going out there making all these drastic changes to the car. It's you know, so much of the initial uh, settings is in the driver, uh, and then later on, I suppose, when I can actually give them some, you know, maybe some constructive feedback on how the car actually is handling, then they might change something. But I think they've got such a great baseline that it's, you know, at the moment, it's just get in there and drive it and then uh, get better at a drive, becoming a better driver. Oh, that's, that's awesome. That's why I wanted to ask Stuart about, you know, how he gets the most feedback back from the, the other coaches or the drivers and stuff like that. Cause that's something I always struggle with my own car is trying to articulate what it's feeling to mechanically what it's doing. And then that takes it into how you explained it trying to drive a car at that level in a competitive state level racing or even national level rounds and running the car at the same time is, is impossible. And I've said it on the show before to other people that, you know, like the saloon cars and XLs and, and, you know, the street cars, like what I run, the the, sports sedans. Yes, you can maintain them yourself to a point. Um, Yes, it's achievable, but to drive one and keep on running and deal with all the, the, keeping an air out on the load speaker, knowing when your session is all that stress that comes with it and anxiety and all the things that comes with the race day. It's mental. I don't know how there's a few solo warriors out there and I don't know how they do it. They must be a, a nervous wreck on the gin when they get home at the end of the day. <laughs> Look, the, the mental fatigue um, just from racing alone and, you know, keeping, yeah. just keeping yourself ready for the race. Um, those guys are, you know, hats off to those guys, but yeah, there's no way I could accomplish that. Yeah, I actually had this conversation last week with uh, Andy from Hyperdriver saying that um, they're trying to push me to get back out for Talk Trophy and I was like, man, I'm mentally not there. The car needs more work than I'm prepared to, to do in this short time and come race, I won't be ready. It's, it's dangerous, not just for me, but everyone else on the track as well. If you're not in that space, you know, to perform and people forget that it's, it's not just going and kicking a footy around on an oval with a couple of mates and the worst thing you might do is pull a hammy because you're a bit old and lethargic you know like it's you're dealing with big dollar equipment and uh you know other people that are out there so no i like i like your take on that i really do um what what's your your plans or goals with the sport you're saying you're, you're nearly nudging 40 which is pretty much the new 21 in the, in the modern era um so yeah where are you going from here for the next 40 years of motorsport look it's a, it's a progression thing at the moment it's um i think you know this year, well, for the remainder of this year, I'll, I'll run the, the F1000, uh, but I'd, I'd really like to get back over to the Radical um, and, uh, and and just take on, uh, maybe even take a step back and put that coach back in the seat with me now that I've progressed uh, from where I was and just get some more feedback. And I think that's the probably one of the biggest benefits of the Radical is, you know, you can be in the same car, have the same controls, everything feels the same, and then just add or delete a coach. Um, so I think I think my learning progression uh, at the end of this year will, will probably push me back to radical. I'd like to I'd like to take on some of the uh, interstate uh, rounds next year. It'd be great to do the island. Um, oh man, to, bucket list track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, having 
watched my brother uh, cruise around there uh, racing, you know, in the mid nineties, and and never never have gone out on the track. I'd love to go out there and, and do it. And you know, it's not something that you'd think that you'd be able to do, like when you start to get a bit older. But you you know, these things are out there and they are achievable. You just got to give it a crack. Oh, I don't think age has too much to do with you know like um, you get a bit of that mental perception yeah you start to get you like oh you know that that was something that i did as a kid or you know but you just got to have that mental shift decide to do it and uh you know go out there oh, ab absolutely yeah i was gonna yeah we were gonna do the uh national round of sports sedans this year we're all locked in for the bend and i think it was may before covid kicked in the gut so it's all right we'll, we'll just do next year uh, yeah, but you are right there is some like when you see the, the younger drivers come out and they're so quick out of the box, yeah. that's that's frustrating. I've had I've had my ass kicked in an XL several times. Look, I, I like it. You know, it's it's good. You know, seeing Max um, at the first round of the at uh, Wanneroo, uh, seeing Max out there in the F1000 at the time I was in the rad and just looking over to him and thinking, holy hell, here's this kid who's just whooping my ass and and doing a great job of it and just such a humble little young fella. And of course um, Noah. Uh, Noah Lyle Adams, uh, young fella, is doing extremely well in the karting and also doing some testing as well uh, out there at Barbagello. And you know, to to have these kids just doing so well at such a young age, it's it's kind of you know for me it's cool. I can I can tag along with these young fellas who one day are just going to be superstars. Yeah, no, and and it's cool to cool to see him and to. You'll be able to tell the war stories of that time you beat him as well, because it will happen. <laughs> I, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to beat him, unfortunately. They've got um, me already. No, it's cool. Um, so you're obviously very performance-driven. You know, you want to get better. It's very obvious in, in talking to you. So you must have a lot of that in your personal life as well. Um, but one last question before we, we change over. Uh, I asked Stuart as well. Have you formed any weird superstitions? You've got to put the right sock on first. You've got to um, make sure you see the car start. You've got to use the same toilet cubicle. You've got to line up in the same spot. Whatever. Definitely you've had all weird ones. the bathroom before every race. I think I'm known to like, geez, you need another wee. But no, it's, it's the, uh, for me, it's getting into the car early, um, sitting in there early and, and pulling the visor down and just doing some breathing and just trying to, Get myself in there in a comfortable in in a comfortable space. So I think that's that's it. Just you know, probably sitting in the car for ten minutes longer than I need to, just to make myself uh, feel comfortable. Yeah, awesome. That's cool. And then you just into it, Zen. Yeah, turn yep. it on. Yeah, turn it on. Send it. Uh, that's probably enough from me. Um, blabbering on with all, all my sort of weird questions. I've really, I was really stoked to hear. Um, how you, you're just really keen to step up each time and, and put that work into that professionalism. But then, you know, how, how you're comparing it and trying to get the feedback and stuff. I, I really did appreciate that. Cool. Nice cool. to chat to you, mate. Thanks, man. So as we head towards the end of the podcast, um, we obviously this, this episode for our West Australian people is a giveaway to... Uh, Jump on the Arise simulator for the competition they're currently running, which is uh, the winner gets to get three hot laps. Are you eligible for that, Joe? Am I eligible? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I might be eligible. Maybe I'll cut too many laps. Uh, <laughs> it's a great look. It's it's great to to be able to pull people out uh, to to the racetrack and actually check out what they've actually what we've actually got in Western Australia. As Stu mentioned earlier, you know we've got this, you know we've got this purpose-built facility with this, you know, international team of, of professionals um, and it looks sharp. 
So if we can, you know, get people out there, check it out and, and get in that sim because it's it's the real thing, it's the real deal, it's a it's a fantastic sim and and uh, yeah, win a win that hot lap challenge. I've got a couple of mates I've tagged on Facebook to say, get out there and see if you can beat my time. <laughs> oh man. Oh, I'm sitting in I'm sitting in my uh, sim now. It's a it's a racecraft sim as well and I've just hooked up a new dash for it as well. Um, but I'm still gonna be miles. Now I heard that Jimmy's entering. That's dead. I might as well just shout his entry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Now, question for you, Joe, before I jump back to Stu. The, if you could have any driver from past, present, um, obviously can't look into the future, um, but from any era, uh, any discipline uh, that could be your coach, who would you want? That's a pretty. That's a pretty cool question. Look, I think Michael Schumacher is one of those iconic drivers that you know everyone, everyone can uh, agree that he's a he's a super talented guy, probably quite calculated and uh, and uh, super super talented. I think he would be an amazing coach to be able to put back in uh, in your side. But unfortunately, that's not the case at the moment, is it? Okay, uh, for you, Stu. Who, if you were able to work with, same question, basically work with any driver from any era and be their mechanic, who would you want to be, who would you want to be the mechanic for? Well, it's a difficult one. Um, I think uh, I have, a, obviously, all the end and centre memorabilia back there. Um, so, a massive fan of him. Uh, but I also think... Uh, yeah, like I said, Michael Schumacher, things like that, good drivers. But I've got to say, just for the outright just pace and intensity, I think, yeah, it'd have to be Ayrton Senna. It'd just be incredible to see his sort of perspective on uh, racing and things like that. Yeah, so last week we had um, uh, Mark Sutton, F1 photographer, on the on the podcast. And, you know, he was very fortunate. You know, his brother was actually Ayrton's first official photographer. Um, and yeah, there's some, yeah, some cool stories and obviously some very, uh, intense photos of that. And so, yeah, I think it would have been pretty cool to work with him and to spend some time with him. Um, a few people think it's a bit cliche, but you know, he definitely was, was, uh, one of the best. So yeah. Um, are you entering the simulator comp or are you not allowed to, Stu? Uh, I don't know if we're allowed to. I mean, there's been a bit of a sort of competition between the guys in the workshop uh, about the sim, uh, sort of getting on every now and then. But um, obviously, uh, yeah, I don't know if we'll be allowed to enter. Might have a bit too, bit of a conflict of interest there. <laughs> well, it's a bit hard. I mean, I suppose it's a bit hard to really rig a simulator, but um, yeah, I suppose you can see why. But look, um, as Brent said, you know, the, the guy uh, he's, does mainly sort of non-comp drifting Jimmy. Uh, Russo's actually put his hand up and said he's going to enter. And he's an absolute gun on the Sims. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes with that. But, um, yeah. A so. gun? That's, a, that's an understatement. <laughs> he set the world record at Silverstone in the, in the, um, the GD1 cars or the Allium cars for a little bit. Yeah. That's, yeah. Is, and I think he what, came third at our fundraiser at Racecraft, third or fourth. So 
there's yeah. Up yeah. there. So we means you can see <laughs> what other talent in Perth we've got. Oh, but, there's um, some there's some quick guys, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um look yeah. Joe, Stu, thank you very much for joining us this week. Um, no problem. And, you know, obviously racing in a couple of weeks again. Uh, you, will you be lining up on the grid, Stu? Um, obviously, I won't Joe? be racing. Joe? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say. Joe, yeah. sorry. Joe. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. Uh, we're working, working towards, I've got one more practice uh, session again with the guys next week. And then, uh, yeah, back out there in a couple of weeks. Um, very, very keen. Awesome. Awesome. And, um, Stu, obviously, you'll be trackside uh, helping the guys out and turning a few spanners and that. Um, have you got a driver you're looking forward to catching up with, you know, working on their car for this round? Um, yeah, I'm not sure exactly who I'm going to be spanning for on the weekend, but uh, it's always a, always a pleasure. Um, I think maybe Aaron might be coming up for the race. I'm not 100% sure. But if he's up there, it's always good to catch up with him. Yep. Uh, see how he's going. Yeah, um, cool. Obviously, yeah, we'll see Joe up there as well. Fantastic. All right, guys. Um, so, yeah, Stu from Arise Racing. Joe, a brand spanking new motorsport competitor. Uh, thanks again for joining us. And, uh, yeah, this has been episode 18 of Behind the Sport. Catch us next week.